0: It's stressful at any time. Labor, rushing to the hospital, the birth of a child. What if it happens during a hurricane? Hannah K. Williams can answer that question. She went into labor just as Hurricane Ian hit her town. (music) Hannah K. Williams can claim a rare title. She became a mother during a hurricane. As Ian was bearing down on the Sunshine State, the 22-year-old Williams felt contractions coming. There was no time to waste. Rushing into the family vehicle, she was whisked away to the maternity ward at her local hospital. It was two in the morning. The wind the rain were making things harder. But they made it. And later that day, Hannah Kay welcomed her daughter into the world, a blessing in the midst of a hurricane. The bad news keeps piling up, but the Lord is still at work bringing life into this world, even giving people new birth as His children. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and here on this Friday, we're continuing our series called The God Who Leads You Out. What a comfort that is! Our Lord leads us out. We're all in the middle of something. It may be a tough stretch at work or a health issue, or maybe some problem with a relationship or any number of other things. We all go through things in life, our tragedies, our challenges. Sometimes it seems like our time on this earth is just one crisis after another. But there is hope. And today we're going to turn to God's Word, and we're going to find that hope in Exodus 14. And we'll also meet up again with a new friend of mine, Robert Morgan. If you've been listening this week, you've heard him share about how the Lord ministered to him at a hard time in his life, how God was faithful to his children, even in the hard times. Well, Rob will join us again to share. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of his book called The Red Sea Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Difficult Times. It came out of a very hard time in his life when his wife was diagnosed with MS, He had read Exodus 14 in his daily Bible reading, the chapter where God brings Israel through the Red Sea, and the Lord used that passage of Scripture to comfort him. A friend of mine introduced me to this book just recently, and I couldn't wait to pass it on to you. In fact, that's what my friend and several of his friends in a Bible study do. They buy multiple copies of Red Sea Rules. They give them away by the box full. And they encourage struggling Christians with what's found in that book. It uses the story of the Israelites to offer 10 strategies for dealing with hard times in order to move from fear to faith. All of us have faced times that seem impossible. And we long, all of us do, for God to move in mighty ways, just like he did with the Israelites. This book makes it absolutely clear who is in control, even in your most difficult times. And difficult times are coming. Maybe they're here for you right now. It's hard to trust in the Lord in the middle of the pain and uncertainty, isn't it? But with this book, you can internalize these biblical truths to be ready when the time reaches you. So that when you're going through hard times, and they will come if they haven't already, you can stay calm and confident no matter what happens, giving the Lord the time to do his work. So why don't you call us after the program and get your copy of the Red Sea Rules book or ask for multiple copies like my friend and his Bible study group, giving them out to others as well. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can give online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And now... Let's open with somebody we had on the program recently. Here's Jeremy and Adrian Camp.
1: Whatever I face, whatever the fear, whatever the cost, you always draw near. Whatever the pain, whatever may come, whatever may fall, your love overcomes. Your love overcomes. The joy will be renewed So every knee let's bow Raise a victory shout For the King will make things new Every mountain moved Every light be loosed For your banner we're lifting high For neither death nor height Nor any life could ever cast your love aside
0: From their album, The Worship Project, Whatever May Come, here on Haven Today, welcome. I'm Charles Morris. We've come to another Friday here in our series, The God Who Leads You, out. And these last several days, we've been talking about the exodus of Israel from Egypt, specifically the 14th chapter of Exodus. Israel learned something that day, and I suppose that's an understatement, isn't it? But just imagine with me for a moment. If you and I were Israelites walking out of Egypt, we'd been slaves all our lives. We couldn't remember anything other than chains and bondage. But then this man showed up out of nowhere, a man who went by the name Moses. And Moses said that Yahweh, the God of our fathers, wanted Pharaoh to let my people go, to go out to the desert, to worship him. And of course, Pharaoh refused. He thought he was the Lord over all Egypt, or at least so he thought. But then a war began, not between nations and tribes. This was a war between gods. And the God, the God of Israel, proved that he's the only true God. So Pharaoh let them go. But here we get to Exodus 14. The Red Sea was in front of them. Pharaoh's chariot and army were behind them. Did they really trust this God who redeemed them? Would he rescue them a second time? And the answer, of course, was yes. And did he ever? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time imagining what the Israelites must have felt like as they saw the mighty waters of the Red Sea crash down on their oppressors while they themselves had safely reached the other side. But we can know how they responded. Listen to Exodus 14. Verses 30 and 31. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. That was the only right response. All they could do at that point was believe that the Lord is God and that he had kept his promises to them. He was their creator, and he was their redeemer. Joining me again on the program today, here's Robert Morgan. Rob Morgan, you've got 10 rules, 10 strategies for crossing the Red Seas in our life. Number nine struck me as
2: significant. What's number nine? Number nine is view your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. At the end of the chapter... It says that because of what they went through, the Israelites learned to trust in God and to trust in Moses, his servant. They had seen what God could do in a way that they'd never seen it before. Now, they had seen the destructive miracles that, you know, fell upon the Egyptians, and all of that had given them enough confidence to follow Moses into the wilderness. But now they saw this incredible miracle of deliverance when God parted the seas, and they could go through it, they could visually see these walls of water with their own eyes, and you can see the older people straggling along, looking, and the children running, and the moms and dads carrying the little ones, and the carts, and the donkeys, and the camels, and this whole caravan, this parade of people going through there. And when they got to the other side, they had more faith in God than they had before they began, because they had seen what He could do. So, everything that we experience— should be enabling us to trust God more in the future than we have in the past. Our faith should be growing as we go through life. And I think that's one of the lessons we can learn from the parting of the waters of the Red Sea.
0: Mm. As you want a trip back from a Holy Land, leading a Holy Land tour... You were just reading Exodus 14, and out of that crossing over the Atlantic and over Europe, you came up with these notes out of Exodus 14 that became the Red Sea Rules. One of those crises that you returned home to was the beginning of your wife's...
2: Multiple sclerosis. ...having a debilitating illness. She had been having some difficulties, and it was finally diagnosed as multiple sclerosis. So these principles were very encouraging to me. I came home... And I preached a series of sermons on them. You know, that's what happens is when God speaks to us, then my first responsibility was to be a a preaching pastor at that time. And so I preached this series. We called it God Will Make a Way. And there was a little song that said God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. And Katrina was there in every service. She always critiqued my sermons. She was very honest, very good about it.
0: My wife critiques my sermons when I preach, and she hears me anyway. I get to hear how I could have done well, it differently. I know. But... I
2: know. So, so you improve in that way. You and, do. Yeah. And out of that then, I wrote a book, and it was a full-size trade book. And Katrina and I both went through it. But then when we were ready to take it to the publisher, our agent at that time said, Why don't you... Put this in a smaller format.
0: It'd be available to more people. That would be
2: available for more people. Be easier to carry. Easier yes. to pass out. Yes. So we, we cut about seventy five percent out of wow. it and just reduced it. down So this book kind of holding C rules
0: was a lot. It's the gist, than that.
2: It's the gist of the original manuscript. Okay, but I think it's so much better this way because mm-hmm. it's affordable. People can give it out by the case. We have people that do that all the time. Small groups can study it without a great deal of expense. And it's just the gist of the truth of that chapter is it, uh, as God gave it to me on that day on that airplane trip and then cycled it through my experience and through my sermons and then through the writing of that longer manuscript. So Katrina was a great student of the Bible, mm. and she was a great encouragement to me, and I miss her. Mm. Uh, but, and she's uh, been gone Yes, about since, two years. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. over two years. Yes, But she's in heaven. Yes. She moved out from here and went on to the city, and God promoted mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. and none of us are very far behind. Mm-hmm. So I look back with gratitude. I do not mope around about it. You know, we all mourn, but I look back with gratitude. I look forward to excitement in terms of seeing her again, and I don't have any intention of... Uh, of sitting around and and waiting to die the lord still has work for me to do Hmm. so uh so i i hope to occupy until he comes as Hmm. jesus said
0: Hmm. we don't always know why god allows problems to come up or why pain comes to us mourning is part of life on this fallen earth but we do know that the lord intends to use these situations to increase our maturity and deepen our faith but what is faith Sometimes I worry that it's a word we use without always knowing what it means. Have you ever heard the term Christianese? It's like a language that believers speak to each other, even though they may not be able to define the word they're using. I think we all do that from time to time. But faith, that's a whole other story. That's a word that every Christian knows. It really has three parts to it. To have faith in Jesus, you need to know that he exists. And he lived and died and rose again for those who believe in him. You need to agree that those things are true. And then there's the final part. You must trust that he did these things for you. You must rest in Christ your Savior. Then there's trust. It's a short word, but it might be one of the most difficult in the English language. And especially nowadays, we seem to be distrustful of everyone and even everything. We think the government is being sly when they tell us an official story that doesn't seem to add up. And maybe that roofing company is taking us for a ride when they give us a quote. So we want to get a second bid. And don't get me started about the Internet. And the list, of course, could go on and on. So how can you and I trust Jesus? In the middle of all the deceit and doubt in our world. Well, for one very important reason. Because he's Jesus, the Christ. Well, that might sound like the most obvious thing in the world. Jesus is Jesus. But let's think about this for just a moment. Who is Jesus? He's the Lord God Almighty. The all-powerful one who created everything. But he's also the good one. He is Yahweh, God the Son, And he rescued his people during the Exodus. And here we are thousands of years later. He rescued his people in an even more important way. He paid for their sin. And that payment was credited to you and me if we trust in him. So believe in Jesus. Trust in the only trustworthy one. Rest in the Savior who did everything necessary for your salvation, my salvation. That's what Israel did after they had crossed the Red Sea. They saw that God had rescued them. And so they believed in him and in Moses, his prophet, and their faith grew. And faith really does have a cumulative effect. It grows and it's laid in store for future times. Our faith grows stronger through the seasons of life. Sometimes it might not seem like that. There are days when I think I have less faith than I did the day before or the day last week. But really, the Holy Spirit is at work in you and me. We all have ups and downs, but God himself is strengthening our faith. So look at your Savior. God has given us promises, great promises, better than anything we could ever dream of. We disappoint him when we question his ability to keep his word. Remember Mark 4? Our Lord and the disciples in that boat on the Sea of Galilee when the storm started battering them. And where was Jesus? Peacefully asleep, resting in the midst of the storm. But then his disciples panicked. They woke him up. And what happened next? He got up. He did rebuke the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then what happened? Well, the wind died down and there was calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That's quite a rebuke. And it's something we share in common with the disciples. We still have our doubts today. Our faith is not as strong as it should be. But I want to encourage you. God's promises are always trustworthy and true. Israel found that out as they watched the Red Sea open for them and then close over their enemies. The disciples saw it again and again, especially once Jesus rose from the dead like he said he would. My friend Rob Morgan saw it, even as he was with his wife as she was diagnosed with MS. The Lord's promises were true to them, and they're just as true for you and me today. Faith finding, faith claiming the promises of God. That's how Romans 4 describes Abraham's faith. He was fully persuaded that God had authority to do what he had promised. So be fully persuaded today, because he is trustworthy and true.
1: and justice reign.
0: I'm glad you could spend some time with me this week. Thank you for joining me today. Keith and Kristen Getty by faith here on this Haven today. And I pray that these programs in Exodus four have blessed you as much as they've blessed me. I can say I really needed to think this week about God's promises. And I think you could probably say that as well. We're all living in this world of hard times, personal, public, Every single one of us, no one can deny that. Some of us feel completely overwhelmed by the pains and pressures of life. And even if you are not overwhelmed by life's challenges, we are all in desperate need of seeing the comfort of Jesus every single day. And that's where the good news comes in. The same God who led us in will lead us out. And that is exactly the point Robert Morgan makes clear in his book called The Red Sea Rules. God is in control no matter what. Using the Exodus story, Rob Morgan offers 10 strategies for moving from fear to faith, helping us trust God through everything, all taken out of Exodus 14. As you read this book like I have, I know you'll be reminded the Lord is good. He rescued his people from Egypt. He promises to rescue you too. God promises always to be with us and make a way for us. Would you call us right now? Would you make your gift to Haven Ministries? And then as a thank you, mention the book, Red Sea Rules, and we'll get you a copy right away. Or maybe you'd like more than one copy. Give them away like my friend in Oklahoma that does that with his Bible-study friends. Our number is 800 65 Haven 865 Haven. Or give online at havenToday.org. That's havenToday.org. And just a quick reminder, if you live in Florida, help out on the need that's there right now. Help through your local church or ministries, organizations you can trust. Or if you live outside of Florida, help us provide clean drinking water for Cuba. It was affected by the storm. The electric grid was already in despair and food already in short supply. Why don't you help out and provide clean water through churches that also share living water? Find out more on our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? But again together, we'll be sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here on Heathen Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's word. Did your parents ever warn you about hanging out with the wrong crowd? Maybe you were the wrong crowd, but we all know certain types of people who seem to be bad influences, troublemakers, tempters. Well, ancient Israel had plenty of nations around her and Moab was certainly part of the wrong crowd. That's why it's so surprising to hear these words of Ruth, the Moabitess. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She said that to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she meant it. This Gentile became a believer in Yahweh. And you know, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jew or Gentile alike. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit Get Anchor dot com.